Over the last decade, many companies have focused a lot of resources on developing a corporate social responsibility platform. In recent years, that has amplified with high-profile cases of social inequality. But how far should companies support these initiatives, and at what point does it begin to blur the lines between the company and the social clause? Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast on This Professional Life, where we talk about all things related to building and growing your professional career in today's world. My name is Chris, and when I'm not working on This Professional Life, I'm busy managing business development and marketing initiatives at Dentons, a global law firm. Hi everyone, and I'm Nina, and when I'm not busy with This Professional Life, I'm busy managing clients at Edelman, a global PR and communications firm. So Nina, today we are here to talk about uh, Basecamp. Basecamp is a project management workflow software company. They've been in the business for, I think, over 20 years. And the CEO wrote a blog post that has been a little bit controversial in some circles. Um, But it essentially outlines a few things that some policy changes that he wanted to make at his company. And he did it publicly. So Nina, I don't know if you want to kickstart with talking about some of these changes and you know what what was the whole situation around this yeah i think in the last couple of years like we've definitely been more aware of what's happening in the world and that has both united us but also divided us because a lot of these issues are you know very close to home and they're politically driven um and so jason freed had listed six new policy directions and you know in the past couple of years i think our we as a society we've become aware of what's going around in the world. And that's both a result of media, but also people feeling more comfortable talking about these things. Um, and as much as that's united us, that's also divided us. And they're quite uncomfortable conversations. And I know we've talked about that on our podcast before. Um, and so I, essentially what he's proposing is just, you know, abolishing all of that. And like, let's just focus on our work. And I think the reason why he felt comfortable doing this publicly is because one, we're kind of just like, in the heat of all of these conversations. Two, it's a tech company. So their tech is usually the ones that are leading the way. And then three, Jason himself has been, has positioned himself as a thought leader in corporate culture and workflow. Um, he has his own podcast rework. He's written a couple of books. So I think this was just, you know, supplementing where he's at and where he's going and um, what he kind of sees for his future company. Okay, so let's let's go through these six and we can discuss kind of our thoughts behind it because I think it's important as I feel he's laid the groundwork almost to spearhead companies that want to change the way they look at some of these issues. And I I have to say I agree on most part with a lot of them. And I think a lot of the media outlets have has missed um, a lot of the points, the finer details in it, and they just kind of screen captured the more controversial points. So I want to make sure we go through each one of them. And so the first one he starts out with is that there are no more societal and political discussions on our company base camp account. Now, to be clear, it sounds like from the way that they're structured, there is a base camp account specifically for you know communication internally to talk about product changes, new ideas. Uh, things that they should add in, customer complaints, things like that. And so what Jason is saying is that that specific channel now is not to be used for political and societal 
discussions. But if you read further down, he said, he, he says, we're not trying to stop the conversations. You can actually take those conversations with willing coworkers to things like Signal, WhatsApp, or even the personal Basecamp account. So even with their own personal accounts, happy to have you guys have these discussions. Um, it's just not going to happen work on the work main work account. So I, I think a lot of outlets miss this, is that he's not saying let's not have the conversation. It's just let's not do it with the one specifically that's managing our workflow for our product. Yeah, and that's how I read it as well. And like, I'll speak from my own experience when these conversations are tough. And I know I've said this before, there was a situation where we had a client meeting and I actually ended up crying. I wasn't able to focus. I had to have a regroup later. Um, and as true as I want to be to my emotions, that did take away from my day and I was inefficient. I wasn't productive. So I completely agree and hear where Jason's coming from. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be that nine to five when you're at work, but it can happen outside. And I, it, like he's not deterring from it. And I think, in fact, he's encouraging these conversations um, because we would, if anything, we're just like learning from one another. Um, but yeah, I agree with him there. Yeah. And I think it's important to note that, you know, he he also reiterates that this main account is is about the product, right? So if the product is project management workflow software, um, the product isn't about, you know, inequality, diversity, inclusion, things like that. That's not the software that they're creating. And I think that's his point. If they were creating a software that enables greater equality, you know, distribution of, you know, messages of hope and positivity, then that's one thing to clutter that communication system with, with these political messages and discussions. But that's not what Basecamp's about. And I think that's very important. I think that's where companies are starting to get in trouble is when they almost move away from the actual product that they're creating and now taking almost a political stance on that product. And actually one really interesting thing that Jason has said and in some of his podcasts is that he doesn't actually create like a one or three or five year plan um, just because things change all the time. And I can see why he wouldn't want to also align on a political issue as a company, because what happens if your political views change or a candidate comes in who you don't align with, but then now you're associated with them politically, right? Um, so I can definitely see why he wouldn't want to take a stance that way either. Um, another thing to note is that Basecamp is remote and they have employees kind of essentially all around the world, like Canada, US, South America. So on top of that, like how, I think it's hard sometimes to have these conversations because you might not necessarily, like what's happening in India might not be what's happening in Canada. So how do you have those conversations? Um, and then also the time difference. So I think, yeah, I, if you can take this offline and have those conversations to learn and grow, great. I don't necessarily think it needs to happen at work. And again, yeah. this is just what, this is a type of model, right? Like there's other models that employers might encourage this during the workday. So I'm not saying that this is right or wrong. It's just a different way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, number two on his list is no more paternalistic benefits. And this is specifically uh, Basecamp has offered fitness benefits, wellness allowances, uh, farmers market share and sorry, farmers market share type of program and continuing education. Instead, they're scrapping all those and just saying, we'll, we'll give you the cash value of that benefit. Um, 
which I think, again, if you take a look at many years ago when companies started offering health benefits, I mean, there was a reason, right? We want our workers to be healthy. We want to encourage healthy behavior, eating healthier, exercising, because the thought was healthier employees are more productive employees. But I also understand Jason's point here is that you know, not everyone wants to put those benefits towards specific, you know, fitness, health, wellness, farmer's market. Maybe maybe you have things you want to do with your kids instead, right? I think there's so many, but you can't cover all of it. And again, I think companies get in trouble. It's like, well, which programs do you now pick? So I think this is a great move. So instead of picking one, I'll just give you the cash value and you decide as an employee which one you want to take. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of us, or many of us probably use our fitness benefits towards our gym memberships. And just with the pandemic, gyms have been closed. So you're essentially like, do I purchase something just so I can get this benefit or do I lose it and leave it? You know, so I, I think if you get that, and I know he said you get a 10% profit share. So if you get that revenue back, you can essentially spend it on whatever you want. Like maybe you wanted, you know, interior decor just to upgrade your home office. Um, and I know, from a company's perspective, they need to put those rules in place so that they know exactly where their money's going. But if you can just take that and do whatever you want with it, it'll probably like you'll probably get more out of it, and you're not also wasting the company's money just by getting something for the sake of getting it. Yeah, and good point on bringing up that ten percent profit. And I think that's a lot of the media outlets missed that key component, which I think is huge. Like you're talking about a tech company that still has a lot of growth room despite how long they've been around. 10% profit sharing for employees. I think, isn't that what we always ask like companies to share that? Because everybody had a hand in building, you know, and taking the company where it's at, like they want a piece of it. So now they're giving it. Um, I would say a lot of outlets forgot to cover that. But yeah, there's a 10% profit sharing plan provide direct compensation that people can spend on whatever they'd like privately without company involvement or judgment. I think that's a that's a great plan. Mm-hmm. And I think another thing why companies uh, have that health and wellness account is spending account is just to have that uh, employee loyalty, right? So it's like, hey, we're helping you. And then in, in return, you'll help us. And like to your point earlier about productivity. Um, so then the same goes with that 10% it's just a substitution, right? Like if I know that I'm getting that 10% in this company, I'm probably gonna work 10 times as hard because I want that company to grow and I want us to all be successful because that'll only benefit me. Um, And in fact, I would also almost work harder because you're seeing the direct um, result of your hard work and of the extra hours that you might need to put in uh, to get to put out the best work. Uh, number three. So this is the one that has caused him a lot of problem. I think they had about 20 employees leave, I think in general from his post, but a lot of it has been attributed to this one point here is a no more committees. And so he says for nearly all of 21 years existence, we are proudly committee free. No big working groups, making big decisions or putting forward formalized groupthink recommendations, no bureaucracy. Recently, a few sprung up. No longer. We're turning things back over to the person or people who are distinctly hired to make those decisions. So it looks like a lot of these committees must be for like diversity and inclusion. Um, I think certain maybe community causes that they're supporting. All of that now gets back to, I think, their head of people operations. And uh, a lot of, they said, responsibility for negotiating use restrictions and moral quandaries returns to me and David. So Jason Fried and David, the other uh, founder of Basecamp. So 
I don't mind this either. <laughs> I think sometimes with more committees, it is more bureaucracy. And I think we've always said this, the more layers you have, the less nimble you are. And the less nimble you are, the the less you can make changes. And I think with the world we see, especially since 2020, the world can change very quickly. And I think if you have these large committees, you, you can't pivot um, when you need to. Yeah, um, it's funny because I just wrote an article on LinkedIn about why committees are important in the workplace. <laughs> but, you know, I hear Jason, like I, I, I do understand that it does take away from your workday. And sometimes, you know, you put in your eight hours and then you have committee work to do on top of that, or it's kind of a side of the desk project. And these issues are very important. Um, so, yeah, I think I hear what he's saying of like hiring someone who is responsible for that. And that is their sole purpose, like sole role for the company. Um, and then they can trickle it down to the employees. But I also think that employees are such a great resource and, you know, people are smart. They have lived experience. It's great to hear from them. So yeah, I, I see both sides. I think that, you know, if you have someone that who's dedicated to this, they can actually push the committee forward. And then also like, I think people with committees, you pick what's like the hot topic at that time, right? And that's not to say that all of these social issues are important, but I think what ends up happening is you have to essentially create a hierarchy and, you know, priority list, and then a lot of things get missed. So as inclusive as you're trying to be with your committee, you're actually, there's a lot of groups that you're missing out on. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we're, we don't, we're not at base camp, right? So I'm not sure where those committees have gotten to. I mean, obviously it's gotten to a point where maybe it was disrupting, you know, the core essence of what Basecamp's about. I think it, again, they may have started as a good thing to, you know, boost employee morale and to, you know, help clients identify that they care about certain matters, but maybe it got to the point where it was disrupting actually delivering the service and products to customers. So we don't know exactly what happened there that prompted this, but you know, to your point, Nina, there there are pros and cons of having committees and not having committees, right? Absolutely. Uh, number four, this one's interesting. Uh, it seems more of a personal one from him. It says, no more lingering or dwelling on past decisions. We've become a bit too precious with decision-making over the last few years, either by wallowing in indecisiveness, worrying ourselves into overthinking things. So this one's interesting. Um, you know, I... I would say in general, I agree with this. I think at the same time, you do have to learn from your mistakes and learn from your past. And that's how you improve yourself. I mean, this is what we're pushing now, right? We have to know our history, but I get what he's saying by no lingering or dwelling on past decisions. So I think this is more of maybe seeing a lot of people just, I don't know, wasting time. I think maybe overthinking about what they did wrong versus what can we do to improve and then actually taking action to move forward? I think this is what it's more addressing. Yeah. On a personal level, I couldn't agree more because I am, I am very quick to make decisions and I'm like, let's just go, let, like, let's solve this problem. The more time you spend thinking about it, I, it just, yeah, you, it derails a process. There's too much conversation. You're not efficient. Um, and I know Jason, he is very big on efficiency. I remember hearing in a podcast that he said that each of their teams is actually independent. They're not interdependent on one another. So like what happens a lot of times is like, you'll get kind of, you know, you'll take the first couple, the first phase of something and then the second team has to do the second phase, but say you're running behind, then the 
the next team can't get started on their work. So everyone's behind. Um, so he's developed it in a way that like one team can just take it from beginning to end. Um, so I definitely hear and understand where he's coming from with this approach. Interesting that he put it in as one of his six though. <laughs> It is. And that's why I say that I think I feel that one was more of a personal one that was really grating on him. Uh, number five, no more 360 reviews. So he said this is more related to performance, employee performance reviews. Before they used to have reviews was directly with team leads. You get direct feedback, recommendations for improvement. A few years ago, he felt they made it really hard and in fact worse. They choose something called 360, which required peers to now provide feedback on peers. Um and he said this became really hard. They were, I mean, they were fun to read, but they weren't very useful because peers tend to just be more positive and there wasn't any constructive feedback. So again, I don't disagree with him on this one, um, especially when he says no need to add performative paperwork on top of that natural interaction. So what he's trying to encourage is just, let's just provide that feedback every day. And then we, why why should we wait once a year? Um yeah, a lot of companies do that annual review. And I always wonder, why would you wait 12 months to let someone know that they're not doing something right? What, like, wouldn't you just tell them right on the spot? I agree. Um, we actually at Edelman have tried, we've moved to, you know, providing feedback year round. Um, but I will say that it, it is typically more positive feedback. And it's great to read, like, you know, it's an ego boost for sure. But I think that's what ends up happening is I'm like, okay, that's, I, I'm happy, I'm great, but what can I improve on? Um, and you don't necessarily hear that constructive feedback until it's that annual review period. And to your point, I'm like, okay, well, I've been doing this for 12 months and I'm only hearing about it now. Um, so that's tough, but I also at the same time, like, is it our peers responsibility to be providing us feedback? Because I know I've been in situations where I just do things differently than somebody else. So is it there, like, can they tell me that I'm doing it incorrectly, even though we have different ways of doing it? And I think sometimes when you're getting that peer feedback, that's what ends up happening. Yeah. And yeah, to your point, like it should be your team lead or your manager, right? That that's part of their job. That's assigned to them. You know, your peers, again, you're taking away from, you know, their day to day. Uh, okay, last one here. No forgetting what we do here. So I think this is more of a summary point for him of, as to why he put all these things here. We make project management, team communication, and email software. We are not a social impact company. Our impact is contained to what we do and how we do it. We write business books, blog a ton, speak regularly. We open source software. We give back an inordinate amount to our industry given our size, and we're damn proud of it. And so this, I think, really encompasses the reality of why he put this together. And it's to my earlier point, they're in the business of providing software. Are they really in the business of, you know, pushing public policy? And I think that's where companies get in trouble. I'm not saying companies shouldn't utilize their platform. You and I talked about just before recording about Colin Kaepernick and the NFL and trying to get the word out. I think sometimes you do have to utilize the platforms to get the word out or else it wouldn't get out. But at the same time, I think companies are now running into some issues where they've now been trapped almost into making 
taking a side when they really shouldn't. And to Jason's point, we're here to build software. I'm not here to take a side. I would like the conversations to happen. And, you know, he, I'm sure they believe in equality and social justice and things like that. But, you know, maybe that's not for Basecamp to decide as a company. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think we've talked about this before as well, is that sometimes companies will take a stance that's trending on Twitter. And I think that's where it gets tough too. Or, yeah, I think that's where it gets tough is that you can't pick and choose which issues you're going to talk about. And then that I understand is very overwhelming and which side do you take even with this base camp conversation we're divided again right so i i hear what he's saying and this is a lot of stress and pressure on a ceo to try and identify which issues you're going to stand for and you're going to you know you're going to make some people happy you're going to upset some others but to his point of continuing to have these conversations i agree with um and i think that's like all essentially we can do. And then there are companies like we've seen Nike take a stance. We've seen Dove take a stance. All great. I'm happy that they are impacting society and that's a decision they've made. Um, but I think at Basecamp, they've just decided that, you know what, we're going to be neutral in these situations and let's just let people be people outside of work and make their own decisions for them. Um, and that's fine too. It's just a different approach. Yeah. And I think... You know, to your examples there, Nike and Dove, it's easier for them to take a stand to a certain extent because they are a consumer direct product. So from their standpoint, if they're trying to, to tie that good feel, that brand presence to their product, it makes sense because you're appealing to the individual. Basecamp's appealing, they're a B2B platform, I'm assuming. I think they are. So it's like, you're appealing to corporate enterprises as a whole. And I don't know how public policy and, and some of these stances play into that marketing effort. Because let's, let's be fair. <laughs> a lot of companies took this up for marketing and branding purposes initially. I think there are some good intentions uh, that have grown from it. But that's the whole reason why companies take it on is we want people to know that we do good, right? Um, I, I wanted to add here that he said, look, employees are free to take up whatever cause they want, support whatever movements they like, speak out on whatever horrible injustices are being perpetrated on this group or that. And unfortunately, there are far too many to choose from. But that's their business, not ours. We're in the business of making software. I don't know. He makes a good point. <laughs> yeah, I Hundred percent, I agree. I think though, on the flip side, like I know, I believe it was TD was the first uh, bank to support Pride Parade, um, and again, they use their platform to kind of open up that conversation. So it, sometimes it is beneficial to have these companies take a stance, but at the same time, I like the freedom to choose what I want to. Right, like just because the CEO of a company thinks that this organization or this cause is important doesn't necessarily mean I agree. But then as an employee, I'm kind of like forced into supporting it. Um, whereas this way I can choose with my 10% profit share <laughs> or whatever I want to decide. Um, I can support what I want. And like, that's just more authentic and true to who I am. Yeah. And I, I agree with you because, you know, every individual has their own way of approaching an issue, right? I mean, obviously there's some people that just don't care. <laughs> they don't believe in it, whatever. You're not going to change their minds. But I, I do feel you know, you do pit employees against each other 
um, who may have different approaches to solving the issue with you know various solutions. And I think by doing this, you get rid of that um, bias potentially. So Nina, quite a crazy topic. <laughs> I think uh, this isn't the last we're going to hear about it. I really hope the media outlets you know, take the time to read through everything he put. I, I, unfortunately, some of the outlets that I do follow a lot, I, I think they miss some of the points here. So, so hopefully, um, you know, things change a little bit on that. Um, yeah. So thanks everyone for taking the time to listen to today's topic. Make sure you drop your comments about this and let us know what your thoughts are on Jason Fried's stance on this. And would you like to see more companies take similar stances? Don't forget to hit the subscribe button, follow and like button as every little bit helps. And make sure to shoot us a message on other topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes. We'll catch you next time on This Professional Life.